acts of the Spirit in this place this morning. Would there be somebody here that wants? All right, we're in John chapter 3 this morning. And I, feel, I felt real guilty um, that I'm preaching out of John 3, and this is Palm Sunday. I, you know, I feel like I need to preach a Palm Sunday message. But let, let me just say a little something about Palm Sunday. That, I, that The religious people, they had intended to kill Jesus after the Passover. That was their plan. But there was a problem with that. Because Gabriel told Daniel that Jesus Christ was going to be presented as the king, the Mashiach Nagid, on Palm Sunday. And so Jesus Christ was on his timetable. It was not on the Pharisees' timetable or the religious leaders. And he presented himself, and many probably in that same crowd that cried, Hosanna, would a few days later say, we want Barabbas, crucify this man. And uh, I'm always mindful of that on Palm Sunday, the, the emotions of the crowd. And you know, they want, you know, Hosanna means God save, or save now, God. They didn't want to be saved from their sins. They wanted to be saved from Rome. But what Jesus wanted to do was to save them from their sins. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So we're in John 3. Uh, I want to read through uh, 17 through 21, but we might not get there. <laughs> we might not, and, and that's okay if we don't. So I'm going to start uh, in verse 17, and then I'm going to pray after that. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Larry Allen if he would to pray for us for me this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Easter season that we are part of. And on this final Sunday we bow here before you, thanking you, Lord, that you came not only to Jerusalem, but you came into our lives. And we pray, Father, that you be with us today as we observe this special time of the year. Help us, Lord, to rededicate our lives to you. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us in the things that we try to do. Bless our pastor as he stands before us each Sunday. We thank you, Lord, for his leadership. We thank you, Lord, for his abilities. We pray that you bless him and use him for your glory. Father, now go with us through this service. Bless all that is done and said here. Amen. Amen. Now, I was amazed as I was studying this week that uh, 17 through 21, each of these verses stand alone as a marvelous testimony of God's grace. But they, they kind of are dwarfed by their next door neighbor, which is John 3, 16. Um, but John 3, 17 says that God did not sin. Now, the Greek word is apostello. It's where we get our word apostle from. The first time we're introduced to somebody being sent in this gospel is John the Baptist. It was a man sent from God. He was John the Baptist. But now God sends his son. But we're told, uh, first of all, negatively, what he was not sent to do. He was not sent into the world to condemn the world. You know why? Because the world was already condemned. 
God, Jesus did not come into a neutral world. He came into a world that was hostile. And I prayed this week and asked that God would give me an illustration that would uh, work. And I began to think about um, a lifeguard. Now, over in Australia, they don't call them lifeguards. You know what they call them? Lifesavers. Well, actually, it's lifesaver. <laughs> Going out in the ocean without a lifesaver is not very smart. <laughs> Put another shrimp on the barbie. Do you know a lifesaver? He's not dispatched uh, to drown anybody, is he? Why does a lifeguard get into the water? To save somebody. Jesus was on a rescue mission. Now some people believe that God was, uh, that the God of the Old Testament was the God of uh, uh, anger, judgment, and that the God of the New Testament is the God of grace. But in Ezekiel, God says, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? He said, no, I don't. But that the wicked turn from his, his evil ways. Uh, Peter, Second uh, Peter, the Lord says he's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to notice in verse 17, three times there's a word that's repeated. Do you see what it is? World. That means everybody. God sent his son not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now the key to this salvation is that phrase, through him. There's no other way to be saved. There is no other name given un among men under heaven whereby men must be saved. And if we have to be saved, what does that mean? It means we're lost, right? means we're lost and undone without God. And it's just, a, I don't even know how to describe to you what I feel when I stand up here and preach sometimes. I feel like a dying man preaching to dying men. I just, I can't express to you what I feel. I wish you could feel what I feel standing up here, God pleading through me. And I, I feel it uh, almost every Sunday morning that I stand up here, that God is just pleading with us, that God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God wants to save us. The Lord wants to deliver us. He wants us to be free from the chains, from the bondage, from the shackles. He wants us to be delivered from our unrighteousness. He wants us to be delivered from... The, the, uh, the self-righteous pride that we have, the uncleanness, the idolatry. He wants us to be free. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, in verse 18, he says, He that believes on him is not condemned. Holy Spirit, I feel you so strong this morning. He that believes on him is not condemned. Isn't that a great truth? Have you ever read in Romans chapter 8 
where Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If you believe, you are not condemned. If you believe, you have passed from death unto life. And I want you to notice the courtroom analogy. Now, notice how he's talking about judgment, condemnation, and judgment. But he says, he who believes on him is not condemned. That's worth a hallelujah right there. But he that believes not is condemned, here's the key phrase, already. Because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He who does not believe is condemned already. Think about a man on death row. Every person apart from Christ is on death row. Jesus has come and offered a pardon. Would you be on death row and sit there and refuse a pardon from the governor? Would you? Would you say, no, I'm just going to go on and die anyway? No, you would accept it, wouldn't you? And you would accept it gladly. And you'd be thankful, wouldn't you? And you would, uh, you would praise God. And the reason that we're that folks are condemned is because they have not believed in what? The name of the Son of God. Do you believe this morning? I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm not talking about you believe there's a God because the devil believes that. But do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Have you put your faith and your trust in Him? As the one who's alive forevermore, the soon coming king, the redeemer, the holy one of Israel. Have you put your faith and trust in him as the one that can save you from your sins? Have you made him not just your savior, but your Lord? Have you said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Look down on me, take away my filthy rags and give me your righteousness. Because that's what God wants to do in your life. Verse 19, he says, and this is the condemnation. This is the verdict. That light is coming to the world, but men did what? I found something real interesting when I was studying this week. Remember last week, John 3, 16? God so what? And what was the word for love? Agape, agapao. Here it says that God loved the world, but men love darkness. Do you know it's the same word? The degree to which God loves us, men love darkness. That's a profound thought, isn't it? Why? It, tell, it tells us in the text, why do, the, why do men love darkness? Because their deeds are evil. So here we see the problem is not intellectual. The problem is not a lack of evidence. You know, every April 1st, we celebrate National Atheist Day. 
What is April 1st? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The problem is not a lack of evidence. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. God has revealed himself through creation, through witness, uh, th through any number of means. God has revealed his existence to us so that we are without excuse. We know that there's a God. Instinctively, we know that there's a God. So the problem is not a lack of evidence. The problem is uh, misdirected affection. 20, verse 20. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now notice in verse 19, light comes to the world, but in verse 20, the one who does evil will not come to the light. Why? Because he loves his sin. Because we love our sin. And I'm not just talking about unbelievers here this morning. There's some of us believers who are not where we need to be with God because we love our sin more than we love God. Thank you for that one amen. The rest of you are like, don't go there. But it's true. It's true. If we don't have the victory in our lives, if we don't have that, uh, what does Jesus say, the abundant life, if we don't have that spirit-filled life, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? It's because we've chosen to love something else more than we love God. And there's always something vying for our affection, isn't there? Always. The world is constantly vying for our attention and for our affection. And it's a constant struggle, isn't it? To keep our, our priorities directed where they need to be. Um, I was listening to uh, the great philosopher Keith Urban uh, a while back. <laughs> And they interviewed Keith uh, on the radio. And they said, well, what is your biggest pet peeve? That was the topic of the day. You know what Keith Urban said? He said, my biggest pet peeve is people that talk about their priorities. And they began to probe that. And they said, well, why does that bother you so bad? He said, well, you can tell me all day long what your priorities are, but your priorities are what you do. And at the end of the day, my friend, we do what we want to do. Now, we can make all kinds of excuses. But at the end of the day, we do what we want to do. And men, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Do you know that the hell was made for the devil and for his angels? That's what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Hell, the lake of fire, was prepared not for man but for the devil and for his angels. Man, if he goes to hell, it won't be because God sent him there. It will be because he chose. Everybody in hell will have, will have the, the reward of their own choosing. Nobody will be able to say, I don't deserve to be here. Because God has offered the pardon in the person of Jesus Christ. All right. Verse 21. This went quicker than you thought it would, didn't it? Went quicker than I thought it would. But he that doeth truth, now that's an interesting phrase. It doesn't translate real easily. 
uh, into English. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now the difference between the Christian and the believer, excuse me, the Christian and the non-believer, is not that one's perfect and one's not. It's that we are coming to the light. Okay? So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Light has come into the world. But will you and I come into the light? This altar is open. The pardon has already been, been paid for. But you and I have to receive it by faith. God's not going to force it on anybody. We have to choose this day whom we will serve. God has given his only begotten son. He died on a cross, a rugged, cruel cross. Are you going to look at God and say, no thanks, that's not for me. I can get to heaven another way. Or are you going to look on him? What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Must be born again. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That if we look on him and if we believe on him, we will not be condemned, but we will have eternal life. Now, the thing about eternal life is it's not just for heaven. It's for here and now. The benefits of it. Paul said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If that's you, if that is your desire, I'm going to give you an altar call from uh, the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's your invitation. Would you come?